You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. Yes, 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 my friends. Not financial advice. Do your own damn research. Every other caveat that we can give. Uh, and of course, you know, in that intro, it of course says that ADHD superpowered. Uh, and for anyone that is uh, that is in this wonderful world of being neurodiverse, um, you know, there there are plenty of days where I feel like the ADHD um, is without question a superpower. Uh, and then there's days like today um, where I have to fight with my my brain and every inkling to, um, you know, stay motivated, stay on track, uh, not, you know, uh, you know, not avoid my rejection sensitivity dysphoria, not not, uh, you know, look at certain things uh, in certain ways and, and not take things personally. And and I'll tell you, one of the things that I've taken personally for a long damn time is that this idea of the riches being in the niches. And part of my problem with the riches being in the niches conversation is that I believe it. I understand it. I've seen so many amazing human beings be massively successful niching down. And for many years of my career, like I look at my career being about 20 years now, uh, you know, I graduated uh, university in 03, 2003. So, you know, for me over this journey of of my career, when I see so many friends and so many people that are in my space or in the world, you know, they're, they're niching down or niching down. I don't care if we are going to argue about niching or niching, we could argue also about, is it a GIF or a GIF? And really, what are we arguing about? I, I digress on whatever that whole argument is. Trust me. I don't like, I, I don't care how you say it. I, if I understand what you're saying, I don't care how you pronounce it. Just like Fonzo or Fanzo, uh, or you can write my name as Brain or Brian. All of those work for me. I am not. A, I am. Uh, I believe perfection is a fairy tale because I live a very imperfect life, and so uh, I'm an example of that. And you know, for me, the whole niching down thing. You know, when I would see it be so successful, I would just like embrace it and try to do it myself, and I would just like own it. Now, um, and. The, the truth is, every time I've niched down, there has been components of success that have been underlying during the niching down process. And I could start to see some things making it a little bit clearer, making it easier for people to talk about what I do. One could actually argue that this podcast, NFT365, might be the most niche down thing I've ever done in my career because I actually picked a name. Like, if I was going to really pick the name of this show because anyone that listens to this show knows that the name of the show should be like web three futurist NFTs, crypto metaverse, blockchain, inspiration, motivation, education, and a whole lot more. Cause let's face it. I don't really just talk NFTs in this podcast. Um, one would argue, I don't think I've ever done a whole episode just talking just NFTs as a whole. But part of that is like, just like, like I know how my brain works and I also know where I get my creative, uh, my creative fuel from. I, I know like how I operate best. And, and here's the caveat that I want to kind of set this up for is that I believe understand there's two components of this argument that I, and I, and you're not going to, you're not going to realize where I'm going with this, this until I get there. So just kind of bear with me for those that are listening here. And we are recording this live on the Twitter spaces. So thanks everybody for jumping in and, uh, and listening on Twitter. Uh, as we're doing each and every uh, day as we count down to uh, episode 365. But um, 
you know, part of my narrative around the riches being in the niches is that the people that mention that, the people that have written books about the riches being in the niches or the successes in niching down, guess what all of them have in common? They have a very clear understanding of what their niche is, and they operate best being singular focused. Like, I've never found someone that is, that is easily distracted, that likes to work on a bunch of different things, that has also preached or embraced, like, the, the riches being in the niches. And, and what I mean by that is one of the things in Web3 that we have to be very, very, very careful on is understanding who the hell we get our information from. Let me be very clear on that, right? Because it's such an interesting world, right? Where someone will have one experience. Or I had a friend send me a, I had a friend, uh, and I'll give him a, you know, <laughs> give him a, a, a shout out. My friend Adam sent me a TikTok yesterday and he said, Vanzo, dude, this guy, you know, he's, he's given advice that I think is kind of counter yours or really interesting take. And the, the guy who's doing the content on TikTok, his name doesn't need to be disclosed because I'm not fighting him. It's more of the, the content was that it was like, hey, for all you people that can't figure out which NFTs to buy, I'm your answer. And if you listen to what NFTs I tell you to buy, you are going to make it in this Web3 world. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. Like, <laughs> like uh, I have a feeling I know where this conversation is going to go. Um, first of all, I, I, anyone that kind of that comes at anything in this space as if they know everything is full of shit, in my opinion, because not anyone can predict the future. No one know, you know, if anyone could predict the future, they would have understood all of these different nuances of the bear market and all that kind of stuff. But the part of it that really, that really bothered me was that the, his caveat for his um, expertise, um, because I, I clicked off of that, tw that TikTok because I didn't want to watch the whole thing. And I went back and started looking at his first couple TikToks. And I and his whole narrative was that he has now been a crypto punk holder for the last three months. And beyond the crypto punks, he actually uh, bought himself a mutant. And he also has a couple NFTs. And in his view, based on his experience as a holder and being involved in those communities, he now understands the recipe and the formula for successful NFTs. And he's going to tell us which ones to buy, upcoming NFTs to buy. And my entire time to that was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what about that experience allows them to be an expert in that topic or in that, that piece? And one could argue that we could have a, probably a whole podcast episode on just like, what does expertise mean, right? Because there's a lot of people that, you know, will have the argument around how many hours you have to do something to consume it. Um, I'm from the narrative is like, screw being an expert, right? I, I would rather really, really dial in with practitioners that are never satisfied with their knowledge of something always willing to reinvent, to recreate, to dial in. Now, there are some uh, industries and some specialties, let's face it, like I want my doctor, if I'm going to a doctor on neuroscience, like I would prefer them to be uh, niched down on neuroscience. Like I, there are some specialties that I'm like, you know what, I, I could understand like that niche, you know, uh, providing me more comfort and uh, authority. But one of the things with niching down is, and this is just my own personal opinion on that, is that what often gets lost is the context and the situational awareness of what one's expertise might be. And we, we've seen this in plenty of spaces and plenty of areas where, you know, some people, you know, spend their entire life 
being the you know subject matter expert or the know all on one thing. And if that thing goes away, right? Whoever was like the BlackBerry niche down person that was like the person that niched down on BlackBerry education and BlackBerry mobile devices as like the best person on all of that. Like what the hell are they doing now with BlackBerry expertise? Like no offense to, I, I loved my BlackBerry by the way, just to put it out there. Um, by far I could still type faster on my BlackBerry back in the day than I could on my iPhone today. And BlackBerry was a beautiful, wonderful device. I was actually one of the first 10 owners of an international BlackBerry because my government uh, lead actually got it for me because they were sending me into, uh, let's just say, a war zone and they wanted connectivity uh, for me to be there. And so I was able to get one of those silver international Blackberries. But I say that because, you know, there there is an element of like, what I look at that is like, I hope that whoever was that, you know, niche down person on BlackBerry, and I'm just using them as an example. And I know people are going to fire back at me and remind me how much BlackBerry is worth right now and all the different things that they're working on. Because they are working. I've already, I've done the research before. I've used them as an example and I got got crushed uh, after I got off stage one time. But apparently I don't learn my lesson because I'm going to use them as an example here. But like, I hope that the people that, like when you're niching down like that, I hope that like situational awareness and people around you are able to uh, allow you to kind of understand where your skill sets kind of um, emerge or kind of uh, you know, kind of or have cross section beyond, you know, just being uh, a BlackBerry uh, expertise, you know, per se. Now, with that being said, that was like kind of the first part of this, right? Like we have to be very careful where we get our information from because that person that was doing that TikTok content that my friend sent it to, like to me, was the perfect example that if you took that person's advice, and then the NFTs you bought were were crap. We have, we have two people to blame there, right? We have the person that is creating the content that probably based on the information that he shared, I do not believe he has much experience or knowledge buying new NFTs. He has knowledge of, of taking hundreds of thousands of dollars and buying into a couple of very established projects kind of at the, the, the height. Um, one could probably argue what he owns right now is far less than what he bought it for, but that's probably all of us, right? I don't think any of many of us have a, a collection that are is valued much more than what we bought it from at the moment. Yet we're all still still here, so I don't know what that says about us. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, understanding where we get our information from and who we're getting it from is also part of this whole niche down conversation. Because I've made this point on the podcast a lot, and this is no offense to to NFT project founders. But a lot of NFT project founders are put on a pedestal as if they know what is best for the industry as a whole. They understand what everyone is doing in this space, yet we want them to be head down working on their project. And they tell us that they spend every week and minute building their project and they haven't bought an NFT in many months or many weeks or many in many cases. Some of them, it's like six months since they bought an NFT. Yet when we when we have them up on stage or we have them somewhere, we often ask them for like, what are the NFTs you're most excited about? And we have to ask ourselves, what about that person's experience, current knowledge and current niche down focus gives them any kind of, you know, like brevity to, to kind of answer that question? And I will tell you, you know, one could hate or love Gary Vaynerchuk, but on the Gary Vayner, when Gary was on the Bankless podcast uh, last week, I still think it was the the most beautiful part of that entire interview was the very end. And the very end, the team at Bankless asked him a question about cryptocurrency and what is his what cryptocurrencies he's currently investing in and what are the things that he has his eye on. And he took a beat and then he said, I don't even really know. 
he's like, I got a couple things that I I'm working on, you know, that I have invested in, like maybe some ETH and some Solana. He's like, but I'm focused on NFTs and all in on NFTs. And I'm trying to build V friends and this media company I have, I don't really have a pulse of crypto. And I was like, damn, is that refreshing? Right? Because here's the truth. There are a lot of amazing NFT founders that I believe have a massive wealth of information on how to build a great project and things like tokenomics and things like, you know, what are, you know, how are utility and communication and building a discord, the wealth of knowledge for NFT project founders is, is very in depth. But when I was starting to look, there's an upcoming event coming and I was looking at the, the title of some of the, um, the panels, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative here, but some of the panels, besides the fact that many of them are, are manals, not panels, they're all men, which to me is un- inexcusable, but uh, there, some of them are, um, when I'm looking at the titles, they will have four project founders that are, you know, that are managing massive teams. And the, the title of the panel is what to look for in upcoming future blue chip projects. Now, one could argue that like they're niched down in their own way and they have their own like singular focus. But I, I really think that's a, it's a very um, unfortunate trend right now in this space because I would much rather talk to somebody that is massively active in multiple projects or maybe been a discord moderator for multiple projects, or maybe as someone that's buying an NFT every day, I don't know, maybe if there's anyone that's that crazy. Um, but the, there's such an interesting, you know, kind of uh, component of how we look at expertise, how we, you know, uh, we kind of assign, um, you know, knowledge. And and the funny thing is, if you're listening to this so far on the podcast, what you're, what I've been really saying is that there are when someone has a niche, it's much easier for us to understand what they do, and it's much easier for us to talk about what they do and what their level of knowledge is. But when someone is multi-hyphenated or multi-passionate or multi-intellectual um, you know, uh, or whatever the whatever label you want to put, and that's another funny thing is, you know, the the people that have niches, they figured out how to brand themselves. All of us that don't, we use like 19 different. We, we call ourselves, you know, like we we are every we are everything from a polymath to like multi-hyphenated, multi-passionate, multi. I mean, we we have like a branding problem as a whole. But uh, the the other part about this is that. Right now in the early adoption culture, where does our knowledge or thought leadership or where does, how does someone deemed an expert in this space? And I'll answer that for you because uh, it was kind of a rhetorical question there because a lot of it comes from word of mouth, right? If someone is in a discord talking about, man, this person just, you know, gave me some massive alpha um, you guys should go follow them, right? If we trust that person that's giving that us that information, we often kind of jump on that bandwagon, right? We're like, oh, I'm gonna go follow them. I'm gonna jump into their project. But when it comes down to it, there there is something to be said about that power of being able to have people talk about what you do. Like it's funny, like I would challenge many of you. Many of you have listened to every episode of this podcast. But if I asked 10 of you to tweet out a 220 characters of exactly what Brian Fanzo does or who Brian Fanzo is, I would argue all 10 people would have a different, you know, summary of who I am or what I'm all about, right? Which can be a very big problem when it comes to marketing, PR, advertising, even for me getting on some stages right now, right? Like I would, I would argue my lack of like having one niche focus or being known for one thing 
in many cases has limited how people can, you know, because if I'm, if people are like, oh yeah, Fanzo does a little bit of everything, there's always this assumption that like, oh, well, if he's doing a little bit of everything, then he probably doesn't know a lot about any one thing, right? And that's that whole like, you know, that quote, right? Which is the quote that we all butcher and we all cut off the end of that quote, right? Because, you know, it's, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, masters of none, right? Like that's the, you know, jack of all trades, masters of none is the quote that most people say. But it's because we cut off it at the comma. The true quote is, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Like how many more quotes have been butchered than that quote to the fact that they just took the comma and were like, hey, if all of us on Team Niche just say this part of the quote, we will really kind of take off into our own world, right? And like, yet the quote, which is, you know, it, you know, and many would argue some of the most brilliant humans in the world are jack of all trades, masters of none. You know, everyone from, you know, Shakespeare to, you know, Steve Jobs to, you know, uh, Einstein. And I will tell you, in this space, when I talk to artists, when I talk to you know, many leaders, you know, you're going to listen tomorrow to the interview with Ariel um, from Ledger. And I'll tell you, if you look at her background, she's one, she was the youngest nominated for an Emmy as an executive producer of a documentary with Vice Media. Like master at Vice Media in media and storytelling. Yet she is, you know, at Ledger. And, and like, so like there is something really beautiful about Web3 that those of us that have that are multidisciplined, right? Multi-hyphenate, we have lots of things going on. It is really, it, it's a playground for us in many ways. But I don't believe that in in a way makes it a benefit for all of us in in that overarching piece. Because the interesting thing about it is if someone you know creates a TikTok account that calls themselves NFT buying expert, in many cases, people are going to listen to that person versus someone that calls themselves a digital futurist because you can't picture or visualize or understand what that, you know, that individual is or where that knowledge comes from or, or how those things are conveyed. So that's like the one part of this. The second part of this is that when you have a niche, one of the beauties of niching down is that it also allows you to be very, very aware of where you fit in and the people you need to surround yourself with. I don't know if you're listening to this right now and you're like, hey, you know what? I struggle with niching down. More often than not, those that struggle with niching down also, also struggle at either outsourcing or allowing others to work with them, right? Because part of the beauty of what like I look at things is like, I am not a mechanic. In any situation, I am not a mechanic. By far, that is not something that I've ever wanted to be great at. But I can tell you the amount of things that I've changed on my Jeep because I've watched a YouTube video and said, you know what? I'm pretty handy. I'm pretty good at like understanding what I need to do and I go get it done. Well, that's what happens in this space right now with Web3. Like, let's face it, because there is no real like, you know, you don't have to go to school to know this to get an answer here. A lot of what happens in Web3 is that, you know, you're rewarded based on your curiosity. You're rewarded in many cases based on just sheer luck, right? Like, I mean, the amount of people that bought those monkey pictures in Clubhouse back in May of last year that had no freaking idea what they were doing, but they were just kind of joining the cool kids club. They were born in they were bored in COVID and jumped in on that. Like you've been able to, to benefit from that. And I think there's a lot of, you know, beautiful components about benefiting 
you know, based on your surroundings and those that you're working with and, and all of those type of, you know, beautiful um, aspects. But let's also be like kind of like truthful when it comes to, you know, when we look at this space, we have to just be very aware and very in the know on where all things kind of come to life, right? Like what are the things that we know that are are worthwhile? And I, I one of the things I really want in Web3 is I want people to realize that no matter what your background in Web2 is, there is a place for you here, right? Because we aren't like all of a sudden throwing out one versus the other, right? Or putting all this together. <laughs> and I see Gregarious just said, you know, he, he's... Uh, Gregarious nailed my uh, my bio is what he said, which I just <laughs> I love recording live because I can I can uh, see a lot of that that feedback, which I appreciate all of you. Um, but the the piece of that that is so interesting in like the fact that like we like we want everyone to feel like there there is a place for them. But more often than not, and and there's an episode that I want you to go back and listen to that I think will really tap into this really well. And that's the episode I did with Shira Lazar because Shira and I were talking about you know in what ends up happening with those that are multi-hyphenated or have multiple skill sets is that when someone hires you or wants to work with you, they want the one skill set, but they also want all of the others, but they're more often than not, not willing to pay for the total package, right? So they want to hire a, uh, a consultant or a strategist to help them with their NFT project. And they also want amplification and they want to hire a host to help them, you know, create content and do Twitter spaces. But if they find one person that does all three of them, they're like, oh my goodness, now I don't have to pay all three people. I can just pay that one person that 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 side of the, the house. Now, one could argue that can be often positioned as a strength or a strategic advantage. But I think the place that I wanted to kind of, you know, like kind of uh put this out to the 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 web three universe on is that there are certain things that are happening right now across, you know, we have marketplaces that are making decisions as if every NFT project is the same. We have thought leaders and artists making broad stroke, you know, narratives as if everybody has to follow the same sheet of music. And here's the thing. I think every single NFT project has its own little niche, its own little focus has its own little value. But I don't like, I was, I, I put this out there, uh, you know, the other day in one of our calls, I said, you know, if you're researching, if, if you're about to launch an NFT project or you're about to buy a new project, what you should do is you should go find a similar project with similar utility. Now, has anyone done that? Has anyone looked, okay, hey, I'm going to buy this project and they have this, this, and this as their utility. Have you ever tried to go find another project with that almost similar or identical utility? It's very hard to do so. Now, it's, hard, it's easy to find ones with all the same names, right? Like if you're like, oh, should I buy Goblin Town? If you put Goblin Town in OpenSea, there's like 3,000 NFT projects that, that are piggybacking on Goblin Town, especially since it's a CC0 uh, project. But what I mean by that is how many projects are run by like, let's just say an entrepreneur that has a masterclass that gives you access to events and master le masterclass level content based on holding their NFT. Now, I'm explaining what the the CC crew, the the coalition crew, uh, NFT like that's their that's their exact exact model. Now there might be some NFTs that come to mind, but if you look at the core fundamentals of that NFT project, it'll be very hard to find one that's similar. And so, part of the narrative that I look at with niching down or ni you know understanding niches is that I don't think there's one way to do anything in this space, but I also don't think it, it is it is right for us to kind of paint broad strokes on things or on people 
or make assumptions and make things feel like they need to be implemented across the board. And then, and this like group think this idea of like, I mean, it's why I hate politics in America, right? Like the fact that we have two party system is a joke because I don't agree with any, any, all of the things in any side of the parties. Like I don't want to talk politics, but there, I don't like every policy of a Republicans and I sure as hell don't like all of the policy of the, of the Democrats either. And yet we, we act as if we have to like find one of those lines and we have to jump in when, when in all reality, we should be able to, you know, kind of break things down in, in a much different ways than, than just, you know, that kind of component. And so with that being said, and where I want to kind of, kind of bring this thought together is our ability to be curious and not be silo focused in this space right now is your greatest weapon. Your great, I would argue that if you are jumping into this space right now and you want to find, you want to figure out what your role is buy three NFT projects that have nothing to do with each other. They maybe are even on all three different blockchains, right? Buy one on ETH, buy one on Solana, buy one on Tezos. And I want you to look at those three projects through different lens and your unique perspective and start to understand the different nuances there. Because it is so easy for us to be to allow some of the, the biases and some of the siloed environments that we play in to really shift how we do things. And I think it really limits us. I think our, our lack of our innovation in many spaces right now is because too many of us only own ETH NFTs. Like the amount of people that are going to tell you, uh, you know, NFT advice and they've never created a Solana wallet blows my mind. The amount of people that are going to tell you which NFT utility projects are the best, yet they've only bought NFT utility uh, projects that have a certain type of utility, to me blows my mind, right? It's, but that's just kind of like the world we're, that we're living in. And so the, the part of do your own research that I just want to like hopefully have us all kind of embrace, understand, you know, kind of like leverage is that doing your own research oftentimes requires you to research the people that are giving you the information and find different people with different niches or some that have a niche and some that don't have a niche to provide us the information that, that will give us the right information to make decisions. And I will tell you, this has taken me a while to figure it out because I'll tell you, I mean, how many people have been there like I have, right? And we, what, what will happen is see, the, um, I, like the, we'll, we'll get into an NFT project, right? And we will, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in and everybody in that NFT project is saying one thing, right? And we'll all of a sudden have this group think, or I don't know about anyone else, but one of the things I had to stop doing was getting in the Twitter spaces after midnight. I buy a whole lot of crappy NFTs after midnight in from Twitter spaces. Cause I'll just be in Twitter spaces. I'll be drinking a beer. I'll be, you know, doing whatever I'll be listening. And someone's like, didn't you know that the Santa hats of this project are the most rare and they're near the floor. And can you believe that they're around? I'm like, Oh my goodness, they are. And they do seem like the best. And like, this project's amazing. Holy hell. Like, how have I not bought this before? And I'll just buy like three of them and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, wait, what, why did I buy, why did I buy that project last night? Like I researched that project for months and it's not what I liked. Right. Like, and, and I say that because what happens is, is that in siloed environments or in like oftentimes like those niche down conversations, things will often sound very true and black and white. But there is no question that the Web3 space is so far from black and white, and that is the beauty of it. And we cannot allow it to get to a very black and white component. 
it shouldn't be all royalties or no royalties. It shouldn't be all roadmaps or no roadmaps. It shouldn't be all Discord or no Discord, right? And anyone that, that thinks of things in like that all or nothing mentality is doing our entire space a disservice, in my personal opinion. Because for us to truly grow, rather than us trying to make overly convicted statements on things about one way or the other, why don't we give context on why we actually come to these decisions and then let people make the decision for themselves? And the reason that we do is because, let's face it, right now being polarizing is a great way to get views and have people talking about you. And so I'm going to end this episode on this note. If people are polarizing just to be polarizing... Let's not give them the attention that they're seeking. Let's not allow them to become the, the focus of our attention because people like I'm all for people having strong opinions loosely held. I believe more people need strong opinions. But people that are just literally creating narrative or tweets or Twitter spaces or, you know, you know like they, they're like, you know what? If I double down and call everybody an asshole or everybody an idiot for doing A, B, and C then I will, I will be polarizing enough to make the people that are pissed off at me talk about me and the people that align with me to back me up. Those people are not doing the space any benefit. And unfortunately right now, they're still the ones that are getting way too much attention, way too much credit, and, and in many cases, way too much validation for that kind of operation. operation. So the truth is, I don't care if you, if you are from the niche down camp or you're from the team no niche camp. What I care about is that when, you, when you're listening to people giving advice or recommendations, understand what their experience is and why they're giving that advice or that recommendation. Because I will tell you, there are plenty of people that you can find that will tell you that the greatest thing that they ever did was keeping their curiosity and their eyes open because it allowed them to go from being a construction worker to a real estate agent to owning their own you know, neighborhood. But if they had just niched down and only be focused on being a construction worker, they'd still be using the hammer and the nail today. And nothing against anyone using a hammer and nail today. But my point on this is there is something beautiful about looking at different ways that we can be curious, that we can find new things. And there is one thing I love about this Web3 space is that so many people, when you, when you, when you research them, their background is not what you think it's in. Their background and what them got, what got them into Web3 is something completely different or something beautiful that once you dive into it, it makes sense. But from the cuff, you're like, wait a second, that person is, is a dev on here, yet they previously worked at what? But part of it, it when you start to tie these things together, you start to recognize that that skill set allowed them to pick up their ability to, to understand the front end, back end coding and understand some of the nuances that are in this space. So... With that being said, I just, you know, talked about niche and no niche without giving you an answer on either one of them, because I think it's all up to us and everyone that is here uh, for you to decide, you know, which, which is best for you and how we move forward. As always, my friends, not only should we be doing our own damn research, but we should also be recognizing that what is success for us is going to be unique to us. And there is really no one that should be telling you what to do 100% of the time unless they are 100% aligned with the exact version of success that you have. If you haven't defined what your success is in getting into Web3 or buying a certain NFT project, right now is a great time to do that. If you have defined what success is, right now is a great time to reverse engineer what that definition of success is and start to think about what things can you start doing to get closer to that definition of success in the future. 
As always, my friends, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365.